Moses, Elias, and Elijah can be the key to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. I want you to know that Sunday, April 3rd, 1836, Sunday is going to make all the history books. That one will be up there with when was America discovered and when was this and the Constitution and so on. And I'm talking about the, the uh, United States of American community, but also the same for Canada and Mexico and other communities. But this date has eternal, eternal significance because it's on this date that the angels restore keys and powers that you can be sealed together with your sweetheart and children forever and ever and ever. Without those keys, it would not work. Then it would truly be till death do we part. I'm totally serious. So that is a day that changed the course of history. Now, this is a Walter Rain. Uh, I love his artwork. This next one is the Curtain Temple, the veil. If you look at the top of the screen, you'll see a veil. And then the bolts in the back. Remember, Joseph Smith said he lowered the veil, and then they had that vision in section 110. This one is a color photograph now. We don't know which of the pulpits uh, the Lord appeared on upon, and he's, he stood up upon the breast on, on gold and so on. So I just wanted to give that a perspective. When I'm talking about keys, uh, President Hebrew C. Kimball said this, let me inform you that when Peter came and set the temple curtain, remember at, at the dedication of the tem uh, curtain temple, they had an abundance of, temp uh, of angels come. Uh, a lot of the um, uh, sisters and brothers wrote of such in their journals. We have a lot of accounts, a lot of angels. So, when he came to the temple, he had on a neat woolen garment. I find this to be a fascinating quote that uh, uh, President Kimball is talking about clothing, the clothing of angels. And in a day or two, whenever I decide, Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, we're going to talk about what the angels wear. We know that from the scriptures and the prophets. What do they wear? They wear. Uh, they have three different categories of clothing, and we'll talk about that. But right now, it's uh, neatly adjusted around the neck. Then he says, to return to the subject of the garments of the Holy Priesthood, I will say that the one which Jesus had on when he appeared to the prophet Joseph. Oh, this is very interesting information. We're talking about the clothing of Jesus now when he appeared to Joseph was neat and clean, and Peter had on the same kind, and then notice this, Peter had a key in his hand. What is going on with that? And I've asked people, and, and uh, I hope I read reverend, was it to his car, was it to his home, was it to the local temple? No, then it's symbolic. Peter held the keys. Now I want to bear testimony that the keys have been transferred from Peter to Joseph Smith, to Brigham Young, to John Taylor, all the way without interruption or without a break to President Russell and Nelson. I'm positive that's the case. It is an amazing truth. Here's another one. 66 words the most significant ever spoken. And by an angel. Now if you think about this, these words are what gave the power, uh, along with the laying on of hands, the transfer of the laying of hands, to baptize us so that we can partake, or partake, I'm jumping ahead, so that we can be cleansed. 
in the name of Jesus and by the power of his atonement. Otherwise, we'll be sinful still. So, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing or be part of it. Upon you, my fellow servants, and you should know that angels are fellow servants but in a different sphere. In the name of Messiah, Messiah is a Hebrew word that means anointed one. The equivalent in Greek is Christ. Christ, Messiah, and anointed one are the same words but in three different languages. In the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron. Now, the, the Melchizedek priesthood will come later, which holds the keys of the ministry of angels. Without this, we wouldn't have all the ministries of angels that you and I get to, uh, that we're blessed with. And the gospel of repentance, and baptism by virgin, but not just baptism by immersion, it's for the remission of sins. Now, that I, I include the icon on the right. I've done a lot of deep, serious studies on John the Baptist. One question I ask people often, I'll say, who was the greatest, person, greatest prophet ever born of woman? And I get these answers. Isaiah, President Nelson, Joseph Smith, Moses, and I get a lot of answers. And then I say, it was John the Baptist. And some people say, oh, how do you know? And I'll say, because Jesus taught that in the Gospels. And, and then, then it's over. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Give them a reference. And then Joseph Smith told us why, uh, why he was the greatest prophet. Gave three or four reasons. One is because he baptized the Savior, the only one without sin. So I put this icon on the right, St. John the Baptist. By the way, here we have a scroll in the left hand, and in the right hand a great blessing. This is Eastern Orthodox artwork. Eastern Orthodox is the Eastern Catholic Church. But uh, in one thing you might not know is John the Baptist wrote a book. There's the book of John the Baptist. We have a few words of it from John chapter 1. John, uh, the Apostle, chapter 1, and a few words in, in uh, section 93. So, I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. I search the scriptures a lot, a lot, so that, uh, th that I will, will be deemed worthy to get further scripture. And we have a lot of scripture yet to come. Here's number two. Angels protect the saints who worship in the temple. Well, in the current temple, quote, Elder Roger Orton, this is in the history of the church by Joseph Smith, saw a mighty angel. Now, if we talk about angels, there's a hierarchy of angels, and there are all angels of God are powerful. All of them, there are four classes, and two classes are more powerful than others, and one of the four classes is more powerful than all of them, and the most powerful of all angels, hierarchically, is the archangel. Who is that? Michael. And the second in charge is Gabriel. I'm impressed. Uh-huh. And that was Noah. And we think the third is Raphael. Not one of the ninja turtles. Okay? Just in case someone's someone right, you got to write that down. And all these folks have L names. You know that's Michael, L-S-T-N, Gabriel, Gabriel, L, and Raphael. They all have means. 
Okay, this is a mighty angel riding upon a horse of flesh. I, I just love this image. Oh, I just want to, I, I just want, I just love the power of this. He's mighty, he's riding on a horse. Last education week in the Marriott Center, I gave a presentation on two or three verses in Revelation 19 on Jesus Christ coming back for the second coming on the white horse. And I talked about the significance of a horse versus a donkey or a mule or, or um, any kind of other animal that you might ride. Uh, so here he's on a horse, and it's a horse of fire with a flaming sword in his hand. Just try to picture this. And he's followed by five others. So there's six of them. They circle the house, the temple, and protect the saints. The saints are the Lord's anointed. In the temple, you're anointed with olive oil. We did that from Exodus 28, or uh, from other passages in Exodus. And then notice what, how, what they're protected from. From the power of Satan, yes, he has power, and a host of evil spirits, which were striving to disturb the saints. And I promise that will happen to the second coming. Satan will try to keep you from the temple and strive and, and so on. He'll try to disturb you. Once he knows you're serious, if you're, if you're like Camille Perry and Ron Perry, once he knows you're serious about attending the temple, then he, he lights up and he seems to go down the block or something else. Notice this, President William Smith, the member of the Twelve, saw the heavens open and the Lord's host protecting the Lord's anointing. I get so much comfort from this. And I'm just giving you select passages. There are many more. And talk about guards. There are cherubs who are angelic beings that protect God's holiness. That's the, that's the role of a cherub. So we have two cherubs on the Ark of the Covenant, far left. And uh, according to a strong Jewish tradition, one is male and one is female. That's found in a book by Raphael Pitai. Uh, the next, the drawing is by Michael Lyon. It's been published. Michael Lane uh, passed away uh, a month ago at an early age, and we really miss him, but he was an illustrator. And one time he made a, uh, an Ark of the Covenant for the TV show Touched by an Angel. He made a full-size replica, and he had it in his house, and one of his nephews, I told this yesterday to a group, so if you heard this yesterday, I'm sorry, not too much. Um, so, one of his young nephews came in the house, saw that Ark of the Covenant replica there, and turned to his uncle, Uncle Michael, you're in big trouble. And Michael said, why? And the nephew said, because a lot of people are looking for this. <laughs> so, he watched uh, great, whatever, a lot greater, whatever that is. Anyway, so that's then published by Michael. He, He's done some illustrations for some of my books. The next one are three female angels guarding uh, cherubs, guarding the tree of life. I hope it's showing up on your screen. The next one are the two cherubs on the bell of the tabernacle of Moses. And the bell we know from Paul represents Jesus Christ's flesh, the bell of the temple. Number three, and I'm going a little faster, I know, angels sometimes attend temple dedications. After uh, President Wilfred Woodruff dedicated the temple the first time, the temple, uh, uh, Salt Lake Temple, 
he, uh, he said that Joseph and Harry Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, and all the good men who had lived in this dispensation assembled with us at, at the de dedication. Uh, most people didn't see them, of course. As also Isaiah, that's the, the New Testament way of saying Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the holy prophets and apostles who had prophesied of the latter day work. And then he said in the heavenly post, they were rejoicing with us in this building. I, I, I love that doctrine, and it feels perfectly right uh, to have the angels there. Um, I also have, uh, I'll, I'll do this really fast. I, I want to make sure I get through everything. Elder Erasmus Snow, who was an apostle, spoke of angels who visited the current temple dedication. He wrote, some of the saints, quote, saw Zion in her glory. And I think if you all saw Zion in, 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 in its glory and its forthcoming, and Zion in the scriptures is, is a female, so we say Lady Zion, and, and it'll change, just change you. And the angels came and worshipped with us, and some saw them, even twelve legions. The legion is three to four thousand of them. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. A lot of them have seen the chariots of Israel and the chariots of fire and the horsemen and so on. At the dedication of the Tokyo Temple, President uh, Spencer Kimball said, quote, I think that Joseph Smith, Gregory Young, and all the presidents, including Hebrew D. Grant, who served the mission over there, are surely not far from us this day. Number four, uh, angels seek their temple blessings. I've given you reasons angels come to a temple. This is number four. And in a couple of days, I'm going to talk about assignments in the Declaration of Independence. Who came to St. George Temple seeking their temple blessings, and they came to the president of the temple, who is also uh, an apostle. His name was uh, President Wilfred Woodard. It's a, a strikingly powerful account. And I, today I'm just going to give you a sneak preview. President Wilford Weather had a special meeting after that with Benjamin Franklin. So I met with Benjamin Franklin. I thought he was on the earth. And the, the vision was so real. The, the President um, uh, Franklin was actually there as a spirit. I spent several hours with him and talked over our endowments. Now this is one time that you want to be hiding around behind the curtain listening in. Eavesdropping. This is the only time eavesdropping is okay. And that's if it's a prophet of God and the gospel speaking with a, a famous American like Benjamin Franklin. Other times you're not supposed to do this. But if you're caught behind the curtain, you can just say, Brother Perry said it's okay. Number five, angels minister to us in temple. See, these are all different reasons. So I'm going to tell you a story that relates to a young woman that was published in the Relief Society magazine. I don't know if you're up on your reading of the Relief Society magazine. Hopefully you are at least up on your reading of the Leahona, who in 1915 attended the Salt Lake Temple to be married. This young, woman, uh, this young woman's mother passed away years earlier, so her grandmother and others accompanied her to the temple. Relief Society in 19, September 1970. Any of you here, did you read that when it came out? <laughs> okay. You did? Okay, thank you. All right, one of you did. Yeah, good. All right, here's what happened. Next 
Just as the final blessing was pronounced upon the young couple, the young girl raised her hand and spoke the name of her mother. There's my mother. Don't you see her? Can't you see her? Oh, my mother, cried the weeping bride, who melted with exquisite sorrow at the vision of her noble mother. So profound was the impression, so pure was the manifestation, that nearly everyone present in the room wept in sympathy with this lovely and blessed bride. I love that. So she came to minister and to, to uh, uh, love her, her daughter. And she came to the temple. Let me tell you, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, you'll be more inclined to re receive an angel, and, and it might not be the presence of an angel, maybe it'll be the voice of an angel, or thoughts in your head. I'm going to give you that doctrine from President Oaks, probably tomorrow or the next day, I don't remember. But two times, two occasions, one is in the temple. The temple is a clean and pure place. Some places in the world are not clean and pure. So the temple is clean and pure, and you recommend people dress in white, and so on. The other time is when you are serving someone else. That's when an angel may, they may come anytime, don't, don't get me wrong, but those two occasions especially. Now we're going to go to number six. Angels come to the temple to accept their ordinance work. This is Elder Elder G. Ballard, who was an apostle. And on one Saturday, Elder Ballard sat at the Logan Temple Baptismal Font, observing the sacred work there. As he contemplated, he wondered if the dead would accept the work being done for them. Now sometimes I do this. I go to the temple, I'll do initiatory or seating or an endowment, and then sometimes I go to the baptismal font. Sometimes I do it in the reverse order, because it's a powerful ordinance. They're all powerful ordinances, and I'll just sit there and reflect and feel the spirit and watch the ordinances. So I know what he's talking about. This is what happened when he was there that Saturday. All at once a vision opened to me, and I beheld a great congregation of people gathered in the east end of the font room. One by one, as each name was baptized for, one of these people climbed a stairway over the font to the west end of the room. Not one soul was missing. But there was a person for every one of the thousand names done that day. This is an astounding vision. And then uh, Brother Ballard said that, that he'd never seen such happy people in all his life, and the whole congregation rejoiced at what was being done for them. This is on the church website. I included it on purpose. Uh, I'm really careful with my sources. With every book I write, whether it's for scholars, whether it's in Hebrew or whatever, I'm really careful with my sources. Now, number seven. Angels reveal truth to us in the temple. This is from Luke 1. And there appeared unto Zacharias. Zacharias is the uh, New Testament way to say Zachariah. So this is Zacharias. Zacharias. In Hebrew, in his lifetime, he would have been known by Zachariah. An angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Remember, Zacharias was in there offering incense. 
And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now I want to prepare you, brothers and sisters, so when you see an angel, that, that you don't feel uh, fearful. And I remember Joseph Smith promised a young woman once, an angel will appear to you. And the angel appeared to her, and Joseph Smith knew it. And later Joseph Smith asked the young woman, well, tell me about your account with the angel. And the, the dear sister said, I hid my face. I prayed. And the angel left. And uh, President Smith said, left because you went like this in his, his presence. And she said, will I ever get another witness? Okay, I missed that one. And he said, yes, you'll have a greater witness than this. And this dear sister gave a, a devotional here at BYU. I'm going from memory, I think it's 1902, it might have been 1898, but, but she lived that long, she's really old, and she, she told about the greater witness when more angels appeared to her. So, very powerful. Fear not, Zacharias. You see, I love the fact that angels know your name and the music. And this is a good, um, a good thing for all of us. At the beginning, I came down here and I wrote a lot of your names in Hebrew. Uh, your names are so vital, so important. You're not Zacharias, um, for thy prayers heard, and thy wife, Elizabeth. Where's Elizabeth and I wrote your name down in Hebrew? Okay, in Hebrew it's Elisheba, which means my God is an oath. Pretty cool, huh? Yours is over there, your name is over there. Elizabeth. Shall there be a son? So now the angel is prophesying, and he knows the future, and not only that, he knows the gender, and thou shalt call his name John. And and so, uh, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I'm one. I rejoice at John's birth, and I'm rejoicing that he came back and restored the Aaronic Priesthood so I could receive the ministry of angels and baptism and the sacrament. All Aaronic Priesthood ornaments. Now I'm going to pause here. I, I don't want you to be shocked, but I have a free download. A lot of people ask me this, and I, I just, some people say, well, where can we find this? This is a, a BYU speeches. And so if you just go to BYU Speeches, that's all you need, and, and, uh, but it's a free download. I don't get anything, it's free, they don't pay me anything. Uh, I wish they charged $10 each, and I got $9, I don't. I'm just kidding about that, I don't, you know. But anyway, that's, uh, I, a lot of people ask me about this, and so it, does, it has some things. So I'm going to go on now. Now, uh, this is, I'm done with the seven, but I'm going to uh, transition to one other thing that deals with the temple. And this is a direct descendant of my, of her, uh, uh, an ancestor, John Perry. That's how I spell my last name, P-A-R-R-Y. It is a Welsh spelling. And look at his haircut. I'm, I'm going to grow my hair like that for the first day of school in a couple of weeks. And show up to school like that, and I hope the students like it, long sideburns and hair on hair. See, see if I get any reactions. John Perry Jr. was the head stone worker for the Logan Temple. He was called to work on the Logan Temple, and his daughter, Armenia, said, Are you going? 
and he said, quote, Yes, more than one year ago, I stepped from the train and was walking home. My father, John Perry Sr., who had been dead for several years, walked by my side and said, John, if you're called to work on the temple, you go. And so I went. So his dad appeared as an angel. Now I'm, I'm going to talk about other impacts angels have on us in this dispensation. And I'm just giving you a peek because there are a lot of ways. Angels watch over and reveal the ordinances to humankind. Now on the earth in mortality, the apostles and prophets over, oversee the ordinances. You probably know that. This is what Joseph Smith said. God set the ordinances to be the same forever and ever. And set Adam, the, the archangel, the head of all angels, to reveal them from heaven to man, or to send angels to reveal them. So sometimes the archangel came, and sometimes he sent some of the angels under his uh, direction. Angels are co-workers. This scripture, President Thomas S. Monson quoted at least three times, and maybe four times, in his talks. And whoso receiveth you, there I, the Lord, will be also. For I will go before you, sorry, before your face. I'll be on your right hand and on your left. And my spirit will be in your hearts. See, you're so covered. God's here, God's here, God's here. The spirit's in your hearts. And my angels all round about to bear you up. And, and they're speaking to uh, sisters and elders. That, that's the context. Angels reveal truths. I, I want to tell you this story about an angel uh, that revealed truth, and we don't know what he said. But we often, I'm going to give you some others that uh, we know what, what they, uh, I'm going to give you another account in a minute. Joseph Smith and his bodyguard, Alan Stout, were walking along the Mississippi River. As they were walking, they saw a man coming from this direction. The man stopped. Now, the Alan was supposed to be the bodyguard. Watch over the prophet. The man stopped and talked to Joseph. Meanwhile, Alan stopped the bodyguard who had a walking stick, a walking cane, not uh, as more of a fashion. He turned his back on Joseph Smith and this stranger and took the stick and started to hit a bush like this. When they, uh, and he was, he was disturbed from hitting this when his, when Joseph came up, put his, uh, Joseph put his hand on the shoulder of Joseph. And he said this, I want to get it right, just a second. And Joseph said, we must return immediately to Nauvoo. So something the stranger told the prophet Joseph Smith made Joseph Smith said, okay, we've got to return immediately to Nauvoo. And they were walking back along the road, and Alan, the bodyguard, became sorrowful, and he could not refrain from weeping. So if you imagine this, this uh, strong, tough guy starting to cry, the prophet said, why are you weeping? 
And Alan said, quote, I am an insufficient bodyguard, criminally neglectful of your welfare. I allowed that man you met to speak with you without even being ready to defend if he attacked you. He could have killed you and made his escape without me knowing who he is, or which way he went, or what he even looks like. Remember Alan turns back and started hitting the bush. You will have to dispense with my services and take a guard on which you can depend. Your life is too precious to be trusted to my care. End of quote. The prophet then said, that man would not harm me. You saw John the Revelator. So John had, had taught something to Joseph Smith. We don't know the words, but Joseph Smith said to God about him to not do immediately. Now I'm going to give you a debtor uh, what I think is one of the most astounding statements ever is by President Wilfred Woodruff. And President Wilfred Woodruff, I was involved a couple years ago with uh, the co... I don't know my family title. The co-something, co-founding director of the Wilfred Woodruff Papers. And we went through all the channels, history department, the right general authorities and so on. So the Wilford Witter papers, you've heard of the Jonas Smith papers. There's the Wilford Witter papers, and we're about a quarter of the way down. Uh, maybe not quite a quarter. And that's with uh, Jennifer Mack. She and I uh, got it going. So Wilford Witter's on my mind. And he was super spiritual, as the other prophets and apostles are. So much so, you could write a book on on uh, Wilfred Winter, Winter and Angels, and it'd be a powerful book. I'm going to, uh, um, he, he says, I believe the eyes of the heavenly host are over his people. Then he gives several examples. This is in the talk. After the death of Joseph Smith, you should know Joseph Smith became an angel and has ministered to a lot of people as an angel, Joseph Smith. So was Emma. If you missed that, catch up on your reading. Emma and Joseph are both angels ministering to mortals and helping the work move along. So after the death, this is Wilfred Woodard, after the death of Joseph Smith, I saw and conversed with him many times. On one occasion, he and his brother Hiram met me when on the sea going on a mission to England. Now, if you think about this, it's not like Joseph and Hiram were in another ship and they start waving and let us aboard, let us aboard. We need to talk to Wilfred Wood. Just figure out for yourself how Joseph and Hiram and angels could have gotten on that ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The prophet talked talk freely to me about the mission I was then going to perform. Another eavesdropping occasion. So say you're the chief chef on the ship, just kind of mosey over and hide behind a barrel. He also talked to me with regard to the mission of the twelve apostles in the flesh, and he laid before me the work they had to perform. I, okay, and then I'm continuing the quote, and it's up here. I have had many interviews with Brother Joseph until the last 
15 or 20 years of my life. I had not seen him for that length of time. But during my travels in the southern country last winter, and I don't know where the southern country was. I don't know if that's southern Utah or Arizona, I don't know. I, I sought an answer that I don't know. I had many interviews with President Young and with Heber C. Kimball and George Albert Smith and Jedediah and Grant and many others who are dead. Now, notice that, many interviews. This is President Wilfred Woodruff being interviewed and, and speaking with these notables from mortality. And then notice this, they attended our conference, they attended our meetings. Now I have one more little story I'm going to fit in, I'm trying to watch the time here. The time goes by so fast. On one occasion I saw Brother Brigham and Brother Heber, two members of the First Presidency, one of whom was the President, ride in a carriage. This is after Brigham and Heber were dead. Ride in a carriage ahead of the carriage in which I rode. So he's got a picture of President Wilfred Woodruff in a carriage, horse drawn, and he's looking ahead and he sees uh, two of his associates who were dead. But he sees their angels, their spirits, in a carriage. When I was on my way to attend conference, this must have been quite amazing, and they were dressed in the most priestly robes. This is code word for meaning they were dressed in a temple clothing. When we arrived at our destination, I asked President Young if he'd preach to us. So imagine they pull up to this church or chapel, and President Wilford gets out, and, and President Young, and, and uh, President Young is an angel spirit, and uh, President uh, Wilford Woodruff says, we preach to us. Now this is what President Young says, and this fits in with our doctrine of a living prophet. We have living prophets. President Young said, No, I have finished my testimony in the flesh. I shall not talk to this people anymore. But, said he, I have come to see you. I have come to watch over you, the prophet, and to see what the people are doing. Then, President Young said, I want you to teach the people, and I want you to follow this counsel yourself. Now you've got a, a, a dead prophet speaking to a living prophet. What's he going to, what counsel is he going to get? Keep the Sabbath, pay your tithing, do this, pay your fast offering, uh, whatever. Here is the counsel. That, you, that they, the saints, must labor and so live as to obtain the Holy Spirit. For without this, you cannot build up the kingdom. Without the Spirit of God, you are in danger of walking in the dark. dark and in danger of failing to accomplish your calling. Now the Spirit, if you think about it, the Spirit will teach you to keep the Sabbath, teach you to pay tithing, teach you to go to the temple, teach you to be kind to others. So see how key that is. And then President Young said this, uh, I'll give you the exact quote. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Then President Young said, quote, Brother Joseph taught me this principle. Joseph Smith appeared to Brigham Young when Brigham Young was the prophet and, and gave him that counsel. You've got to have the spirit. Now, here's another one. 
He invented a speech made known by an eagle. I wonder how many speeches of our prophets and apostles are and, uh, come through an angel. The things which I shall tell you, says King Benjamin, are made known unto me by an angel of God. And he said unto me, Awake, and I woke, and before, behold, he stood before me. And then after the after the, the discourse, and when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered and heard, uh, unto him by the angel of the Lord, he lifted. So, see an angel. Uh, just think about that. Okay, angels have vital assignments. I shouldn't have said it's important. Vital assignments during the, the last days in some kind. About four years ago, I talked about uh, this topic for an hour, this very screen for an hour. And this dear sister came up with a 15 or 16 year old son. And this, uh, the son said, I didn't want to go to education week. My mom dragged me here. She made me come. And but after this presentation, and it was it was it wasn't designed for teenagers. It had a lot of information from the book of Revelation. But he said after this presentation, I'm sold on education week. And she was standing there with mom and looking very happy, and like, okay, I brought you here, but it worked out. <laughs> Let me look at see what. Um, okay, I am going to. Give you this one. <clears throat> President Harry Lee. He said, I was suffering from an ulcer condition that was becoming worse. We had been touring a mission on the East Coast. My wife Joan and I were impressed the next morning that we should go home quickly and cancel all our other meetings on the East Coast. Uh, on the way across the country in the airplane, we're sitting in the forward section of the airplane. Quote, this is on your screen. As we approached a certain point and route, someone laid his hand upon my head. I looked up, I could see no one. That happened again before we arrived home, again with the same experience. Who it was, by what means, or what medium, I may never know, except that I know I was receiving a blessing that I came a few hours later to know I needed desperately. Now, what happened is, um, he said shortly after we, we reached home, he had massive hemorrhages. But he was able to go to the hospital on time. He said, had they occurred while we were in flight, I wouldn't be here talking today about it. This is from the Ensign July 1973. I hope you all read that when you came when it came out. You didn't do so well with the Relief Society magazine. <laughs> tomorrow, when I visit with you tomorrow, I hope if I ask you if you're up on your Relief Society magazine, at least half of you raise your hands. <laughs> Maybe that'll that'll be uh, an entrance point. Uh, did you do it? Okay, now let's talk about what are angels. We have a, a few minutes. There are four classes of angels. Uninvited spirit. That's a spirit who has not come to mortality yet to get a mortal body. We have examples of this. One is Jesus Christ appearing as Jehovah, Jesus as Jehovah, to the prophet and general of the army 
Joshua. Joshua 5, I think, is the text, the last three verses. Disembodied spirit, that's one who's lived in mortality and who has died. But it has, these have to be righteous people. We're talking about the Lord's angels. I say classes faithful from God. So we're talking about righteous people. We're not talking about uh, less active people who die and then all of a sudden you think, oh, they're an angel now. No. These are, uh, Paul said, just men, just meaning righteous, righteous men made perfect. Now when he said men, in the old way of saying it, we mean men and women. Righteous men and women made perfect are angels. May I just humbly say that my father is one. And probably most of you have someone in your family line, grandma, great-grandma, great-great, maybe from the 14th century, that's an angel uh, who's ministering to you and, and helping you. Most of the time you won't even know it. Next is translated beings, such as John, the three Nephites, plus others. And then the fourth is resurrected persons. Now all these angels have power, but the resurrected persons have the most power. How many angels are there? Jesus spoke of 12 legions of angels. A legion, remember, is about three or 4,000. Lehi saw God sitting upon the throne surrounded with numerous concourses of angels. Now if you think about this and parse it a little bit, first numberless, is that apostle, apostle term? Yes, to mortals. Does it mean God doesn't know how many there are? No, to mortals. That's a lot. But he's not saying numberless angels. He's saying concourses. And on a concourse, there might be 1,500 or 5,000. So numberless concourses. Paul wrote of an innumerable, see there's another term for mortals. Without number, company of angels. And John beheld many angels round about the throne of God in heaven. And the number of them, and he's using the greatest number in antiquity, 10,000 times 10,000, and he mathematicians in the earth. So that is 100 million. And, and does that mean there's just 100 million, and then there's one more that qualifies? No. We're, we're numbered here, you go down to that other place. No. This is, that means a lot. Now, years ago I made this, the term Lord, Lord of Hosts occurs 265 times in the Old Testament. In Hebrew, Yahweh, or Jehovah, Sabaoth. Not Sabbath. When I read the Lord of Sabaoth in the Doctrine of Covenants, when I was used, I thought they misspelled Sabbath. Sabaoth is plural and is feminine plural. Oat ending is plural in the Hebrew. And you remember that. Thank you. You should come up here and share. So, Sebaot, the Lord of hosts. Now, a host is a lot, a singular host, but he's the Lord of hosts. Notice 265 times. Guess what? The first time this appears is in the Hannah pericope of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah, the great mother of Israel. The, the, this is from the Bible Dictionary. The Lord of Sabaoth was the title of Jehovah. Jehovah. 
the host were the armies of Israel, but also included the angelic armies of heaven. Most of the time this appears, we're talking about angels, armies of heaven. Very rarely is the armies of Israel. Go back and read the 265 times. Now I'm going to give you the references right now. Who's really, really good at taking notes? Okay. Fine, be that way. I, I want you, that's your second assignment. Learn shorthand before tomorrow. Learn, learn Wilford Woodruff's shorthand. Did you know he had his own shorthand? That's one reason he was such an amazing um, uh, historian. Here they are, you ready? doctrine. 
I love the power of this statement. Now I'm going to this one? Yeah. Okay. They never take pictures of me. It's always <laughs> Tomorrow I've got to show you a picture of me in a German high-school textbook. I'm totally serious. It's really fun. I'm in three textbooks now. Two in Germany and one is an algebra textbook. Algebra. Of all things. It's not anything to brag about, especially algebra. So, alright, if you have enough time, one more time. <laughs> now, by the way, this these are, a lot of these are copyrighted, so please keep them to yourselves. Good? Not, you can't put them on social media. You may be breaking copyright laws. And I'm super careful about that myself. A lot of what I'm using is copyrighted, and we have, I, the laws allow them to be used in a, an educational setting. So please be aware of that. Okay, good? Are you good with this one? Okay. All right, here we go. I'm the player. I'm the teacher. Angels are organized into classes. Angels do not have wings. Whoops, sorry. Whoa, how do I do that? Angels who minister to you are often your relatives. Now, my uh, my state president was had legs, uh, knee surgery on both knees. Someone gave him a copy of my book on angels, and he read it. He tell you how you get better to read, and later he told me this. He said, this will impact millions, and we're good friends. And I said, oh, come on. No, it won't. And he said, yes, it will. And he said, and I also learned something I, uh, I learned several things. But one is, I didn't know that angels minister to you or often your relatives. Now, you might say, wait a minute. Brother Perry, I don't have any members of the church in the spirit world who are relatives. I am the first con convert to the church. But you may have someone from 1600 or 1700 or 1800, male or female, who actually taught to the missionaries as angels and had them come to you to join the church. I'm totally serious. Angels are the offspring of God. Now, I, I'm saying this because a lot of faiths believe that angels are creatures of uh, uh, another world or something. They, they don't think that they're, they're people. Angels, God, and men are one species. One race, one great family, widely diffused among the planetary systems as colonies, kingdoms, etc. This is Elder Carter P. Craft. I just have one more minute. I can't believe it, and I have some other slides. Oh well, you don't need them. <laughs> I just did. Yeah. I, I testify that Joseph Smith is a prophet, and as expected, uh, did I tell you angels are found 200 times the word angels in the Old Testament, and they're found throughout the other scriptures, New Testament, Doctrine and Covenants, and, and so on. Now think of this. He's fitting the pattern of the scriptures. This is a great evidence that Joseph Smith was the prophet of God. And I remind you that our present president, president 
told an angel story several years ago. I hope you remember it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. So good to have you here. Thank you. 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 Thank you.